It's time to breathe new life into the social entrepreneur by empowering you to make a living through fulfilling work that will impact lives. You'll make money, but more importantly, you'll make a difference. Welcome to the Change Creator Podcast. It's time to build a business with purpose. Now here's your host, Adam Force. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is your host, Adam Force. We are going to be talking to the master of communication today. Ryan Fallen helps people improve their lives through better communication. Uh, such an important quality and skill. Communication is like a key to sales. You know, it's your copywriting. It's how people receive your message. Um, if you can't communicate things properly, it's going to be a big uphill battle. So that is where Ryan comes into play. So things like fear of public speaking, which is going to result in missed opportunities. Um, if you can't explain your business idea in a very concise and meaningful way, that's going to be a problem. Or if you just have a problem with the complexities of building a personal brand online, these are all the types of things that Ryan helps with. Um, he is regularly presenting on stage at the biggest startup events in Los Angeles, including things like Tech Day and Investor Festival and the Green Festival, Digital Hollywood. Um, he's done a number of TEDx and, and is a sought-after host for TEDx. Uh, so his resume goes on and on and on. I'm going to let Ryan speak for himself, but it was a real um, pleasure um, being able to connect here, and we're excited about this interview. So listen closely. He's got a lot of powerful insights, um, so let's jump into it. Guys, one thing before we get started, just a reminder, this January is a big, big year. We'll be kicking off the new year with uh, Nobel Peace Prize winner Muhammad Yunus. We had the opportunity for an exclusive interview with with Dr. Yunus, and it is powerful, it is exciting, it's inspirational, but most importantly, he gives a ton of important advice. So keep an eye out for that, and guys, stop by the, the App Store, leave us a review, your feedback, we appreciate it, it helps and goes a long way. All right, let's get started with Ryan. I know you're going to dig this. Hey, Ryan, what's going on, man? Thank you so much for joining the Change Creator Podcast show. How are you? I'm great. I'm trying to create some change. One <laughs> word at a time. <laughs> I love that. I love that. You're right up my alley. Um, so, you know, we want to dive into all your expertise in communication. Um, I also just want to give people a little background for anyone that doesn't know uh, who you are just yet. If you can just give us that brief overview of, you know, you actually have a really interesting background too, and we can tap into that. But you, you've overcome some really great adversity, and uh, I think it would just good to get, get a gist of that for people. Yeah, totally. And I think that I am, as everyone is, a result of their life experiences. Right. And you have two choices. You can own them and learn from them and communicate how those lessons shape you as a person, which builds credibility and is real experience. Or you can hide them all and try to pretend to be somebody that maybe you're not because that's what you think everyone thinks that you should be, right. uh, according to www.whatever.com. So... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I've had, I like how you say interesting. I, I like to say colorful sometimes because uh, there's been different stages of my life where it's been very sinusoidal uh, mm -hmm. to the top, the top, to the bottom of the bottom. And I came from a family of educators, which is really where it all started. And I really uh, was a nerd growing up. But that, 
it worked against me for a, a lot of my life because I was sort of pegged as that nerd. Right. And at a young age, classically last person chosen for the basketball team, if not chosen at all, had to go buy my own basketball. And then the kids that were left not playing basketball with the cool kids, they didn't play basketball. So I turned my basketball into a soccer ball and became a soccer player there in the in the elementary schoolyard. But it's kind of an analogy of my life where, you know, I look at a problem as an opportunity for finding a solution. And I've got thick skin because I've been called every name in the book. I've been, uh, you know, kicked and beaten and uh, bitten and all kinds of crazy things. But that's what led to my lifelong passion for martial arts. And because my parents were educators, every summer, as long as we did extraordinarily well in school, we would jump on a boat and go to Catalina. Cool. So uh, all those things have really created the foundation of what I do. And I've noticed that really the times when either I've been bullied or I've been taken advantage of in business, it all stems with a, uh, a misunderstanding and the more that I've reflected on those specific situations, the more I've realized um, the value in understanding how you are communicating with the world. Uh, over the last two or three years, I've really focused on that in a professional way, and some people might call it a personal brand. Yeah. And I've gone from zero social footprint to you know almost 300,000 followers. I've been featured in every major publication from Inc. to Entrepreneur to Forbes to Fortune, uh, Huffington Post, all that stuff. Regular inbound requests for speaking all over the world, and I'm just I'm super happy. But it all comes back to those roots of education. I am actually work at the University of California, Irvine as a communications manager where I oversee about 27 divisions slash units on campus. And then still have a passion for uh, helping those kids and teens and even business people who are bullied. And I think that the, the control that you have over situations is how you communicate yourself. And I've, uh, you know, I love working with people and startups are really the future. So I've been pretty ingrained into the startup culture and ecosystem trying to solve their biggest problem, which I believe is their inability to communicate their idea in a short amount of time. So I've got this cool 313 theory that I speak around the world on and helps people refine their message. And if I'm not behind a computer, I'm on my 1977 Cal 34 sailboat sailing to Catalina, <laughs> disconnected from the world. That sounds good to me. So let's unpack this a little bit. And, um, you know, you, you got your feet wet as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, just like you said, you're shaped by your experiences, which led you to um, doing some app work, right? You, you've developed some apps um, supporting the anti-bullying, I guess, movement in a sense, right? Is that... Is that yeah, it? absolutely. Yeah. So the first time I got my feet wet with entrepreneurship <laughs> was actually hanging Christmas lights in sixth grade when Mrs. Kawaguchi next door asked if I could help with her Christmas lights because we always had the best Christmas lights ever. <laughs> and that translates to the most Christmas lights ever. And I said, it'll be 20 bucks an hour. And she said, okay, I made $386 on that house and it changed my life. So for the rest of my middle school and high school career, I spent Thanksgiving weekend um, putting up Christmas lights and I'd make thousands of dollars in those two weeks period. And that allowed me to never have to have your classic high school minimum wage job. So that's, that was my sort of, <clears throat> that's where the lights proverbially yeah. came on in my head. And uh, yes, app development was a big part of what I did. I worked for a company called Iconesis, 
ended up being their chief operations uh, officer. And one of the first projects that I was involved with was an app called Word Bully. And it was stemmed from the epidemic at the time, and there's still big issues today about cyberbullying. So I studied martial arts, I taught martial arts, I came up with all of these, uh, you know, moves for children that helps to avoid and prevent physical bullying, right? I can teach you how to avoid a bad situation or to block a punch or have these different moves that I've created, but it's very hard to punch, it's very hard to block a punch that comes from your phone. So the technology was a simple concept, and it was a really fun idea. We got a lot of media and press, and it was a filter for about 5,000 words in English and Spanish that when, if, if a text message that was incoming had one of these words, it would flag it. The intended recipient, usually the target, would not get it, and it would be forwarded to a parent. So imagine a parent intercepting any of these aggressive texts and being able to deal with the perpetrator uh, right out the gates. Uh, and we, we had some great success with that. Actually toured around in a bus and, um, you know, where my speaking really, uh, where I really found my voice was in sharing my story with high schools and elementary schools. Uh, you know, we did a, 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 like an actual tour and we would just talk about the dangers of cyberbullying and also talked about texting and driving, which at the time was still um, an emerging trend. And uh, we created one of the first ever um, automatic reply apps, which is called Drive Reply. Mm. We had a, a great traction with that. The technology at the time, unfortunately, was such in the phones that it was too much of a drag on the battery. So we were really fighting against um, people's battery versus their um, phones, right. safety or whatnot. So it didn't get the, the huge success we wanted, but it, it was fun. There was a lot of child safety apps and feel-good apps that we were working with. And uh, we had a lot of success with that. And then UCI plucked me to start their first ever undergraduate entrepreneur center. And um, that was uh, that was a fun transition for me there. So, you know, as now being you know positioned as an expert in communication, how did those skills start, I guess, developing for you? You know, you're working on apps, you're doing this other stuff. When did you really start getting into the space of, um, you know, it's almost, I guess, like understanding human behavior, psychology, how to communicate. Where did those skills start taking shape to get you where you are now, um, you know, in that, in, that, in that space? Yeah, well, it started in college. And... Uh, I have no problem with big decisions, but small decisions really piss me off. And like, do I, I have a hard time ordering food on a menu? Right. Paradox of choice, right? <laughs> so I, I just, I, if if I'm by myself at dinner, I will actually have the waiter or waitress just surprise me with something because I don't care. Like, give me a big decision. Like, let's let's make a monumentous million dollar decision. I'm confident with that. So with that being had to choose my first set of college courses uh, at the University of California, Santa Barbara. Go Gauchos. Watch out for tortillas. Uh, I let my parents choose my entire schedule because I came in undeclared. I was a strong applicant, had a lot of places to choose from, and I wanted to be by the beach. So I ended up in this DA class, which is a dramatic arts. And at the time, I didn't even know what theater was. I mean, it sounds weird, but I'd never gone to a play. I was never involved with anything like in high school, just very far from that. I was like surfing and skateboarding. And so this dramatic arts class, uh, the first day they offered extra credit. And I happened to be sitting next to an attractive girl. And I'm like, hey, are you going? She's like, yeah, I'm going. I'm like, okay, cool, I'll go. I show up having no idea what I'm getting myself into. They hand me a piece of paper. I read it. Everybody laughs. 
I was demoralized. I skateboarded home, and I'm pretty sure I cried. What happened? Long I don't story get it. short, <laughs> it was an audition. Uh. <laughs> and so, I mean, I look, it's it's crazy. You, you think that you know everything when you're a freshman in college, but I had never, never even, never even crossed my mind. So I get called back for this thing called a play, and it was an adaptation of Sin City comic books. And it was, it was, I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. And my part was Marv, which is the 350 pound bruiser who basically, you know, kicks ass all over the place. And I have a martial arts background. And so I walk into this house with all these like, you know, juniors and seniors, and there's a cooler full of beer. And I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And what was more amazing than just the environment and the people was really the communication within a live audience setting. And there is nothing more powerful than being on stage, communicating a story, a plot line, subplots, messages when you have hundreds of people that are either laughing or crying at the same time. And it was such a human connection that I just absolutely fell in love with it. Now, for the record, I don't like musicals. I'm not in the, you know, arts <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, I mad respect to them all, but I just not my thing. Like right. I have a sensitive ears and I don't like it when people sing. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so everything we did was like sex, drugs, rock and roll, super hard hitting, super powerful, really impactful. And I acted, acted, then I produced, produced, and I directed, directed, and I took over the whole theater troupe, which is actually still alive today. And our most recent victory was a nine-year documentary we shot in Venezuela that just this year won the Golden Palm Award at the Beverly Hills Film Festival, as well as the Best Foreign Film uh, with the same guys in college that we've been running around um, doing these impactful things. So it was on stage that I had the appreciation for the the communication part. Yeah. And I just started to run with it. So when I ended up being in mortgage sales, you put me behind a phone and I will connect, communicate, um, find out what people's problems are, solutions I can, and everybody's happy at the end of the day. So the speaking on stage translated to sales and then sales translated to success. And then that success translated to the ability to, um, you know, use my communication skills to effectively uh, get my ideas across or help people, uh, find what I can help them out with. Right. And then that builds into entrepreneurs. And it's funny cause I had a chance, a really cool opportunity to see like four to five student teams a day for almost two years. And every single one of them would sit down, bright-eyed, bushy-tail, and I'd say, okay, what's your idea? And they would take a huge breath, and then five minutes later, I would have to stop them and say, no, just, you've been talking for five minutes, and I have no idea what you're doing. Like, you're, you're, I'm more confused now than when you started. So I started to ask, can you just tell me in the fewest amount of words possible? Then they'd take a deep breath, and then they'd explain, explain, blah, 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 blah. it may be like four minutes and 59 seconds, but still no change. So then uh, you know, I had this ability to, to interface with hundreds of these startups. And so I got to a point where I said, look, can you just tell me the problem that you solve, and can you just tell me in one sentence? I actually want to guess what you do. And most of them would sit there staring me in the face going, huh? Well, uh, what? And so that really let me know that I was onto something. And I developed the 313. Uh, I've been developing it for years, but just not knowing. And as soon as you put confines, as soon as you put limitations, uh, great analogy, you pack your bag to the size of your bag, okay? If you have a suitcase that has 80 gallons in it, 
uh, or a bag, you will fill it to the top and have a hard time zipping it. If you had a smaller bag, the same situation would happen. If you just went with a carry-on, guess what? That's how it works. Right. So when you when you confine the uh, the the boundaries of what you are allowed to say, inherently you have to figure out what the best and highest value words are. Like the classic letter, I forget who wrote it, but he basically said, you know, I wish I had more time to send you a shorter letter. <clears throat> it's like there's <laughs> so much thought that goes into that. So my what really gets me excited especially because I'm long-winded and get excited. <laughs> what gets me excited is trying to say more by saying less. Yeah. And I'm a student of my own teaching, and it's, it's a lot of fun because you can have a lot of personal development skills. But at the end of the day, if you can't explain what you do in a short amount of time that is also engaging the person you're talking to, you are not going to have the success that you could, if you would, take more time to say less. Yeah, I love that. Um, a lot of good insights there. And I'm curious then to just kind of take this you know, conversation to get a little bit more specific then on these practices. So what have you learned then and what do you now teach about communication to start helping? What's the foundational breakthrough insights to say, all right, listen, like, here's what you need to know about communication for starters. So where does it start to get that clarity? How do you start breaking it down? Okay. The first part is to understand that you cannot not communicate. That's where it all starts. Okay. If you are trying to not communicate, people will realize that you're trying to not communicate, which is communicating. (laughs) So there's no way to get around the fact that people are are looking and they're looking for cues and they're listening for words. And as soon as you understand that it is the first foundational step of like a communication self-awareness, right? Your face has something like 4,000 micro movements, which translate from not only your subconscious to, but what you're actually wanting to say. And people are picking up on that, whether you know it or not. So the first thing I'll do with people is help them to understand that they cannot not communicate. So the next logical question is, what do you want to communicate? All right. And it's really um, an exciting and challenging concept to really break down the, the fundamentals of what it is to communicate. So if we were just going to go super broad, like super basic, my dad always said, Ryan, if you look like a duck and you sound like a duck, <laughs> you are a... Duck. Duck. (laughs) So, you know, what you wear, the clothes you wear is a huge part of your communication. It's a huge part of your brand. It's a huge part of what other people are judging you on, whether you like it or not. Um, In my family, we were not allowed to wear any clothes that you had to wear a belt. And that was their own way of regulating against like the sagging pants uh, popularity (laughs) that was going on. So I would actually save up money to buy pants that were bigger that I had to use a belt with and had to like hide it from them. And I, I always remember that, but you know, you think <laughs> about it, you have so much control over what you're saying without even saying anything. And I think that, True. um, one of the, one of the best speaking tips that I can give from a very foundational spot is the concept that the less you say, the more profound you are. And it actually takes a lot of pressure off 
because people are afraid of that silence in between speaking, that weird like dead air. Right. And they have the feeling that they need to continue to talk on it. And then they are not sure, so they just continue to talk again. And I tell people, the more you talk, the less people listen. And the less you talk, the more people ask questions. And questions is what drives conversation, and conversation creates connection, and connection is what you want. There's these fascinating studies that have people uh, where they put two people that don't know each other in a room, and they basically say, can you guys just talk with each other? Like, okay. They talk for a certain amount of time. Then on the exit polls, they have these you know, psychological tests and surveys and heart rates and all that kind of stuff. And what they found is that there is a direct correlation between how engaged someone feels in a conversation directly proportional to the amount of time that they speak. Right. And if you think back to um, a really good conversation that you had, <laughs> there's a good chance that you did most of the talking. Mm. So a good way to get people engaged is to get them to talk. So asking more questions or asking second and third degree questions, like if you ask a question and then the person answers it, you could say something like, well, how did that actually make you feel? Or, you know, did you learn something from that? Or something that's like a second degree. And then people get excited to talk about it. And then you listen. (laughs) Listening is a huge public speaking skill. Yes. Because if you actually, you'd be surprised how many people (laughs) are actually not listening to you. They're just waiting for their turn to talk. Right. (laughs) So we talk about fundamental communication and it's being aware that you are saying things before you even speak. And when I deal with, uh, I do a lot of uh, training for speakers and I tell them your speech starts when someone sees you. And if you've ever been in a situation where you see like a nervous guy pacing in the corner and you're like, what's up with that guy? And then all of a sudden they're like, and next up Ryan Foland. And he like snaps into it and he comes up all confidently. He's like, Hey everybody, I'm Ryan. (laughs) You're like, no, you're the nervous guy in the corner. So now you're not as authentic and I'm not going to resonate with your message. So yeah, it's like being aware that what you wear is a huge part of, of what you're saying to, not being afraid to say less and ask more questions and understanding that um, a huge public speaking skill is listening. I love it. Um, I mean, you, a lot of insight there. And I guess one of my favorite things is that it does start with the visual first impression, right? Um, You're communicating at all times, I guess, whether verbally or visually. Um, And I like that you brought up the listening factor too, because I feel like everybody cuts each other off or they're just waiting for their turn. And I was just actually reading one of Richard Branson's books. And I mean, the first half of the whole book, he's just pounding in your head about the art of listening and how valuable it is. Um, You know, and and I guess that's one of his core philosophies as well. So if you are, I guess, so you have these students, right? They're telling you, they're talking about, you ask them, you know, what their idea is. I guess, um, how do you start teaching, you know, them how to uh, reduce what they're saying? I, I tend to be someone that also, I will say something, just for example, and I'll explain it again in a different way. Like as if like, 
you know what I mean? Like I'll say, okay, you got to build a house this way. So what I'm trying to say is you got to do this, you know, and I can't, I'm like, and sometimes I catch myself. I'm like, okay, you need to shut up, <laughs> you know? So how, well, do you, how do you start breaking it down for him? Well, real quick, just you are onto something. Okay. And one of the most classic overreaching strategies for speaking or, or giving a talk or some type of um, communication that you're getting your idea across is to tell people what you're going to tell them and then tell them and then tell them what you told them. Right. So, so that's, that's, you're onto something there, right? But to your question about how to start teaching people to, um, you know, I guess look at their communication in a minimalistic way. Yes. The trick is understanding that I don't care what you do, nor does anyone else care what you do. They really only care about the problem that you're solving, and they really, 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 really care about it if it's a problem that they have. And that, as a foundation, is a huge piece of the puzzle that is, is one of the first things I try to drill into people's heads. Because if you think about the world, most decisions are made to solve problems. And even if you say, well, Disneyland isn't solving problems, well, I could argue that they are. Well, a $5,000 purse isn't solving problems. I could also argue that it is solving the problem of ego or status or belonging or longing, whatever it is. So we're, we're rooted to try to solve problems. So if you realize that you are a problem solver and you identify those problems that you solve and you realize that you're probably most interested in other people who are solving problems that are either close to you, close to your family members, your friends, people causes things that you care about, then you start to know who to invest your time in uh, from a communication sense. And all when somebody asks me what I do, I don't tell them what I do. I actually say, it's not really what I do that's important. And right there, I break their frame. And breaking the frame means uh, people expect you to answer a question a certain way. And as soon as you break that frame or do something differently, then all of a sudden you actually get their attention. They sort of snap out of that zombie listening mode. So I'll say, it's not what I do that's important. It's the problem that I'm solving. That's actually what gets me up in the morning. Like I'm like, I'm going to solve problems today. And then they will say, well, what is the problem? And then I'll explain the problem is that entrepreneurs lose millions of dollars, go out of business, break up with their relationships and become miserable people if their idea can't go further because they can't explain it to people in a way that, you know, uh, makes sense to them. Right. And then they go, well, how do you do that? Or what do you actually do? And then I can explain because they've asked me, well, I've created this system called the three one three and it helps people break down what they say into three sentences, one sentence and three words. Right. And then I stop and then they will say if they're interested at all, well, how do you do that? And so think of it as like permission based pitching. And I do this with the love of my life. Uh, and if you have a partner or a girlfriend, boyfriend, wife, husband, try this. <laughs> if you're telling a story and all of a sudden like life happens or the TV comes back on or, you know, the, the, the kettle pot starts screaming, wait for them to bring up the story that you were saying. Right. right? Cause right. if they don't bring it up, if they're not like, Oh wait, 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 you were saying something. What was that? <laughs> <laughs> they're probably not that interested in it. And, right. and like, that's a really good, um, 
practice, right? If you start to tell a story, it happens all the time. You start to tell a story, something else happens, just stop telling it and wait for them to ask about it. And if they don't ask about it, come to the terms that maybe it's not the most interesting conversation for them or <laughs> it doesn't, you know, don't waste your breath. Then start asking them questions and you'll, you'll find that they get excited about talking. So of course, yeah. I'm not trying to be too abstract, but what I think is so powerful about the communication tools that are out there is they're really the key to success. And my favorite concept is successful people are not doing what everybody else cannot do. Successful people are doing what everyone can do, but not everyone does. Yep, I and love it's, that. It's such low-hanging fruit. Like I talk with people and they're like, Ryan, how do you get so much done during the day? Like you have all these things like, oh my gosh, you're launching another podcast and you've got this radio show and you're speaking around the world and you still work at UCI. And I look at them and I say, what time do you get up in the morning? That's a change breaker, right? Or a frame breaker. And they're like, what do you mean? I said, just what time do you get up in the morning? And they say, whatever they say, I say, could you get up an hour earlier? <laughs> just just yeah. get up an hour earlier. And uh, like, I'm... I get up at 5.30 in the morning, I go to the gym, I spend 45 minutes on the bike on my phone getting some work done, <laughs> then I lift weights, I take a shower, I take a sauna, I take a jacuzzi, I take another shower, and it's like before 8 o'clock, and I've been productive, I'm up, I feel good, I've got the energy, yep. and everybody else is like, oh, it's hitting the snooze alarm button. So simple things like just getting up earlier, or drinking more water, or smiling more. Those are the kind of tips that excite me because you don't have to have a college education to get up earlier. You don't have to have a million bucks in the bank to smile more. And, you know, I really think that uh, we, we do have a lot of control. Yes, there are systemic oppressions. Yes, women have a, a difficult time in a man's world. Yes, there are so many things that are st like stopping people from, you know, this equality that we should all be. But the one thing you have control over is your thoughts. And I always say thoughts become words, words become thoughts. So think the thoughts you want. Exactly. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, you can be like, Oh, that's very power positive, Ryan, but you, you, you're a white male. You haven't been like, through this. <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah, but I've been bullied. I've been down. I've been, I've been on the brink of financial disaster. I've been in disaster. I've lost family. Like we, we all have these human challenges and you don't have control over other people. I've been taken advantage of. I've had people screw me over. But I can sit there and dwell on that or I can learn from those lessons, be a better person, wake up earlier, drink more water, and smile more. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, listen, I love all that stuff, too. I think we're 100% on the same page. I literally was a guy that after reading T. Harv Ecker's book, you know, he had a lot of these same philosophies. I had I had these sticky notes and things pasted all over my bathroom mirror, back of my door. So everywhere I looked, I was starting to just try to change how I thought about certain things. And it was like breaking old habits and forming new habits so I can get different results, right? So yeah. all the lifestyle changes you're talking about, I love that. And um, I remember asking somebody one time, I was like, do you think some people, you know, they just don't have time to do the things they want because they have kids, they got this, they got that. And he goes, no, no. He goes, I think that's all actually bogus, unfortunately. People just, it's not that they don't have time. They're just not willing to make the time, right? So you make excuses instead. Yeah. And unfortunately, I got to agree. I'm a guy that I would wake up at four in the morning, get on a train, go to New York for my job. 
and on the train, I'm building a whole other business coming back yeah. here. Like, you know, you just yeah. do it. Yeah, you got your nine to five, then you got your five to nine, and then you got your nine to twelve. <laughs> right, <laughs> right, exactly. It's just a matter of what you're willing to do. If it's not important to you, I guess you just don't do those things, you know. And 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 on that note, where I think the disconnect is, is that a lot of people don't invest the time to figure out what they want to do. And if you don't know what you want to do and you don't know what you would be working on during the subway to go to your work, if you don't have a side hustle, if you're not solving a problem, then you might feel a little lost. Yeah. So uh, I think that, uh, you know, all these tools work. Post-it notes are amazing. I love them. (laughs) But if you don't know what to write on the post-it notes, then that's a challenge. So for me, that's where it all comes down to the core messaging of like, perfect example. I I consult with people on social media communication, right? And they say, Ryan, I want to leverage social media. And I go, okay, so, so shut the computer, look me in the face and tell me what it is that you want to share with the world. And they go, well, no, 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 no. I want to leverage social media. And I say, (laughs) if you can't tell me offline what you want to communicate, then there's no reason you should be online. And I think that we forget to do that step one. It's like the first step is step one. First step in understanding your business and how to communicate is what is the problem that you're solving? Right. The first step in you know personal development is who do you want to be known for? And so I think that all these topical treatments and you know uh, different ways and life hacks to like advance and make more time out of the day, those are all real things that we can all do. Mm-hmm. But unless you know what you want to do, it's hard to figure out how you're going to do that. Right. So there's that first step. I mean, and, and there's so many people out there helping the entrepreneur that is established, right? Here's the next yeah. tactic. Here's the next strategy. We get, you know, our one of our differentiation is we're the onboarding. We're people... We go after people that have probably not even heard of social entrepreneurship, but they have an Instagram page about ethical fashion, right? So maybe they want to make that their actual living, their lifestyle. And how do you do that, though, right? And so it's a it's a very different mindset. And I don't see enough people onboarding those people versus just accelerating the established entrepreneur. Yeah. And, you know, because so many businesses fail and the support systems are, are in it to win it for themselves at the end of the day. And it makes sense to service clients that have money to do it. But that's where there are amazing nonprofits. There's systems in the universities. There's, uh, you know, organizations like you that are out there raising your hand saying, hey, we can help you out. And, right. I, and I think that's great. That was one of the one of the core messages that Amy, who I met on your team, yeah. uh, was able to communicate at this Survive and Thrive where you have a lot of entrepreneurs at all stages, right. but in an environment where people want to support. Exactly. But you got you got to know, I, I think that this idea of onboarding is important because if you're starting off and you can't communicate your idea, it's very hard to get help. And if you're, um, if, if you are, if you're not even aware that what you're doing could be done better, then you're not going to move as fast as you could. So I think what you guys are doing is great. Uh, we appreciate that. We appreciate that. Um, well, I want to be respectful of your time. So we're at the 30 minute marker. Um, and plus we got to respect everybody else's time, right? Because they're probably <laughs> on to the next thing. And, and there, there's a mental flip, right? It's, it's really considering your audience in mind. 
And they'll probably be listening to this on a 1.5 or 1.55. So it really is only 20 minutes for them. So everybody listening, you actually just gained like 10 minutes of time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let let me just give you a chance to tell people where can they find you? How can they work with you? What can we expect coming down the road real quick? And uh, we'll wrap it up there. Sure. So everything is centered at ryanfoland.com. If you want to engage with me on social media, I am obsessed with Twitter because all it does is try to get you to shorten the amount of information that you share. And I'd I'd love that. So uh, my Twitter is at ryanfoland. And my company, the, the way I help solve problems for people is through Influence Tree. And I essentially help them grow their influence. So influencetree.com we have a personal branding course. We have a lot of other exciting courses that are coming out. Yep. And we even have a, 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 an actual quiz where you can see where you stand with your brand. Um, because if you don't know where you stand, then you don't know where you're going to go. And that's kind of our central theme here. So, yeah, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, find me not on Facebook because I don't like Facebook. <laughs> uh, and then on Instagram, every day I do a stick figure drawing. So I take a Sharpie marker. And I draw my thought or stick figure that's inspiring with a, usually an original quote. And that's Ryan Dotfoland. And think of the dot as the Sharpie marker, which I have right yeah. here in my hand, always. Uh, <laughs> and so you can get a little daily inspiration there. I love it. I love it. And my last thing, actually, because I forgot to ask before, is do you show, uh, do you have anywhere like break a breakdown of your 313 method? Or is that like proprietary for your students and stuff? So I'm, uh, I'm, uh, at its peak, it was about 70,000 plus words, and I've whittled it down to 7,000 words. So it's really like it's just a long, uh, like think of it like a long blog. Yeah. And I'm going through the final stages of the interior design and all of that exciting stuff. So it will be fully available soon. Uh, and I'm also taking some of the videos, the live presentations, and snipping them up into smaller chunks. And cool. all that will be accessible uh, at ryanfullen.com forward slash three hyphen one hyphen three. Cool. Awesome. Yeah. Ryan, appreciate your time. Lots of good insights. Guys, you need some communication expertise. Ryan is the man. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, let's stay in touch and um, we'll talk soon. You know where we're at if you need us. All right, let's create some change and keep it going. Awesome. That's all for this episode. Your next step is to join the change creator revolution by downloading our interactive digital magazine app for premium content, exclusive interviews, and more ways to stay on top of your game. Available now on iTunes and Google Play or visit changecreatormag.com. We'll see you next time where money and meaning intersect right here at the Change Creator Podcast. (laughs) 